0: Welcome to this week's great quarter, guys. I'm Kevin Hill in the host seat today. I have Andrew Cox, our regular co host, here with me in the Air Jordan hat, and uh, our special guest, the Sultan of Sonar, Zach Strickland, who runs uh, what? Data intelligence here in Freight Market Intelligence. Freight freight Market (laughs) Intelligence here at FreightWave. So welcome everyone on LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, all the live streaming that, that we're doing right now. And those for us, uh, or those of you that will be listening to us uh, on a podcast recorded in, in some place at some time in, in the future. So today's episode, or let's say the Guys, right? no, number guys. 11, and this is where Finance Meets Freight, and we talk about that and everything in between. And this week, we are going to look at Walmart and Walmart's uh, financial picture, their stock price, their valuation, and also their transportation network. And we're proud to announce that starting today, our friends at Carrier Direct are helping us do a lot of the research behind the show pulling numbers for us and giving us uh, their insights uh, from their consulting practice with 3PLs, uh, carriers, and also shippers and, and really everything transportation. So sh- big shout out to uh, Peter and Ryan uh, and-, and Diane who helped us put this together uh, at Carrier Direct. So with all that said, let's uh, dive let's into in to Walmart and then we'll, we'll hit some uh, of the phase one of the the, the Chinese uh, trade pact and I think that's supposed to get signed tomorrow tomorrow morning. yeah. so let's see if it actually does this time. <laughs> right. it's, it's been kind of <laughs> delayed. And then we'll talk some real-time capacity with the Sultan sonar and talk about the DHL supply chain pricing power index that we do on a weekly basis and then we'll do some long shorts which should, should be uh, should be very good. So let's dive into Walmart. Andrew, you you took the lead on most of this research this week, so I'll let you start. Uh,
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the big one. Walmart is uh, one of the biggest retailers, if not the biggest retailer in the country, uh, we can go through a little numbers. They, in the total stores in the U.S., they've got about 5,400, uh, but the, that, that pace has slowed a lot. They've only added 20 in the last two years. Uh, international store count, their their biggest international uh, market is in Mexico and in South America. They've got 3,400 stores there. And uh, a, an article was written today by, by Noy, correct? Noy Mahoney? Yeah, Noy. Uh, yeah. And he, uh, he actually said that Walmart added 134 stores in 2019 alone in Mexico. So that's uh, massive growth down there in South America. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about their distribution centers and the way that they kind of do their transportation uh, and supply chain. They've got 173 as of 2017 in the U.S. alone. Uh, so, again, massive. The, the total square footage of those uh, of those DCs is larger than Manhattan. Uh, so you can try to, try to get an idea of it. A little bit for comparison, Amazon has 241 distribution centers, so a, a bit, about 70 more, uh, but less square feet. So Amazon's more spread out, uh, and they have smaller um, DCs.
0: If you look at the sales number, uh, I think Walmart still has double the... The sales that Amazon has, so a little bit over uh, 500 billion a year with Amazon, right around 250 billion. That's insane, considering it is insane.
2: what you know the state of the country and the, and just in general retail. Like the numbers are like, oh, e-commerce, e-commerce, and yet Walmart still.
0: Still it's still just 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 <laughs> a powerhouse. It's, yeah. it's a powerhouse. It it's, has it's a even, lot of real estate. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's
1: come it's come back. Uh, I mean they've they've been on an incredible run for the last two or three years. They've made yeah. heavy investments into e-commerce and fulfillment. Uh you know, they've their their e-commerce has grown between thirty and forty percent each of the last twelve quarters. So I mean just incredible growth, forty one percent last quarter. Go yeah, ahead, go ahead. I think
0: they're they're only up to about fifteen billion annual on e-commerce. And a lot of that's produce and, and groceries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as e-commerce goes, they're, they're still in the the early stages of that. Only about one percent of their sales come through online, which is which is strange to to, to think. But yeah,
2: I mean, you look at a, a company like Toys R Us. You know, a few years ago, declared bankruptcy, and a lot of the reason that they dis, you know they decided to go you bankrupt know, or they went bankrupt was cited as being a lack of e-commerce presence. I personally have kids, so I was on I was in Toys R Us every year. You know, waiting for that, and so it's it's interesting to me to see that Walmart, you know, the largest retailer in the country, basically, I mean, their website isn't that sophisticated. It is not,
0: and and I know that (laughs) we we've been covering it for a couple three weeks now, and there was a a meeting, I think, in Arkansas. I don't know if it was an internal meeting, and uh, one of the executives said that the way forward is to build bigger stores, more stores. Uh, not necessarily leaving e-commerce behind, but their strength is is their their store locations in DC centers. And- They've done
2: tons of research on where to place these stores too. I mean, they they didn't just plop them down in the middle of like nowhere, and you know they oh, they right. know exactly where their population centers are located. Their demographic studies are really good. Um, you know, where are Walmart. Does not scrimp on is you know doing their research on where to place things
0: and mm-hmm. and to expand or, or build a bigger store they are not shy about that. Mm-hmm. From a hometown where we had about twenty thousand people and three different WalMarts over the years, right? The, the old Walmart, you had the intermediate Walmart, uh, which are both uh, strip malls for like big lots and and secondary retailers now, and then you have the big superstore. And mm-hmm. there might be another one, and you might have another lost Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> out out there in a few years it could be a 4 Walmart town over over the years over the stages so they close them down open them up there they also have the fresh markets yeah uh, or neighborhood, neighborhood groceries markets, neb- neb- neighborhood, neighborhood markets um, so it's it's Walmart is is a big real estate holder company I, I guess those are, are valuable assets uh, in of itself and and also if, if you're going to set up a supply chain for e-commerce those stores are, are great warehouses yeah and they you know let's not kid ourselves about their
1: e-commerce um, uh, position though they've they, over the last few years they've made a half dozen acquisitions of, of digitally native brands you Jet. Know, for, yeah from jetcom to shoes uh, com and moose Jaw, bonobos uh, mod cloth I mean they, they've made a lot of digitally native uh, brand acquisitions to try to position themselves uh, as an e-commerce power Um and, and you know, a lot, not all of them have always worked out. Jet.com sales, have they, they try to kind of push Jet.com to be a niche, uh, a niche go after that. The group of people that they've traditionally had a difficult time going after, the young millennials, urban millennials. Um, but they've gotten a lot of the, uh, of the expertise from Jet, and that's helped them build out their uh, their e-commerce platform through Walmart.com. They've had like five or six high-level Jet people that are still working now as uh, head of e-commerce and stuff at Walmart.
0: And, and basically, I forgot to say, we, we are live streaming, so if you have any comments, especially on LinkedIn, we have LinkedIn up right now, so just shoot us a question, comment. Uh, we might ask a question for your opinion here in a second, and uh, we can go from there. So, so going back to uh, their the acquisitions of, of e-commerce, do you think that's the, the, the right strategy to, to approach? Because, I mean, you're looking at uh, the number one retailer probably in America, uh, maybe in the world. And so, is that to to, to buy more kind of bolt-on e-commerce type of businesses instead of maybe just going in organically and doing that? I like I like I mean,
2: to Andrew's point here, uh, the fact that they're utilizing somebody or the, a company for its resources. You know, people that have been in the space. You know, they're not just trying to apply their old logic to, you know, this new in you know this e-commerce space. They're not applying old Walmart. You know brick and mortar logic to an e-commerce space like hey you go start the e-commerce thing now you know bill and accounting goes over there and he's like i don't know you know Mm -hmm, but they're using these people so i think i i do i love the purchase because you're basically skipping the initial steps of building that organic you know market like i love building from the ground up because you have Mm -hmm. control of the infrastructure but for a company like walmart you've already built your infrastructure up Mm -hmm. Uh, you need to acquire people that have this
0: experience. I, I like it too, right? It just takes shoes. dot com, right? So Walmart could sell e commerce shoes, unless you know they don't have the greatest selection of shoes. No, uh, so why not just go out and buy a, a great brand that's up and coming, that's heavily into e commerce, like Amazon did with Zappos. Yep right? Mm-hmm. You kind of replicate that and you buy com. So now you have this, this great shoes offering or the outdoor yeah, moose uh, jaw. jaw, right? So Walmart's basically not in the business of, of creating great clothing brands or shoe brands or that type of experience. They're more of the, the general store. Yeah, and, you know? and so, you know, they, they have why? made a,
1: a little bit of a push to to acquire some of these brands and get them in the store, you know? So, yeah. and I think that they, they've, they're doing a good job of that. their fashion. Um, we, we'll get into a little bit of their of their margins here in a little bit, but I think they're doing a good job of, of expanding into the fashion uh, and the home, especially home and appliances, uh, stuff like that, away from grocery diversifying a little bit in their stores.
2: Yeah, I think the, the end game here for them is to basically have this online presence along with a
0: store presence because a lot of the reason that they exist is that brick-and-mortar presence. And that can be a competitive advantage, yeah. right? There's an article out, uh, and I can't remember exactly where where it was. I think it might have been Forbes in the last week or so. That's their sort of competitive advantage yeah. is that all these stores, all these super centers are great warehouses. Well, right? and, and so you can deliver out of those exactly. stores, and if you count the stores with the, the warehousing DCs, They dwarf Amazon. They technically
2: have a huge advantage over Amazon in terms of just having an infrastructure set up for this process. They have a logistics department. They have huge amounts of transportation. The only thing that's keeping them from really being this dominant force in the space is their technology and their website. You know, Amazon is 100 percent warehouse and website driven, whereas Walmart. But again, uh, to your point. You know, one of the biggest growing sectors of Black Friday this year was the in-store pickup. I believe it was like 46% up year over year for stores like Best Buy and things like that. So people aren't relying on, you know, that delivering to my house aspect anymore, specifically now that they've kind of been burned uh, mm-hmm. in
0: the past. So You're exactly right.
2: And I was just going to mention this. Uh, another Forbes article that, that came out
1: not too long ago, it was called, uh, it was, it was done, a research done by First Insight, and it was called Amazon Past Its Prime. And they did studies uh, year over year of um, especially young people's preferences to Amazon uh, and and Walmart. And I was very surprised to see. Anecdotally, for me, it makes a lot of sense because I, I still prefer Walmart over Amazon. But let me run some of these numbers by you. So the majority of U.S. consumers prefer to shop at Walmart versus Amazon in 2019. This is a, a complete 180 uh, year over year. So in 2018, uh, it was 47 percent of respondents said they would prefer to shop at Walmart. In 2019, 55 percent. So I was just, you know, that's that's the first thing. Why do you think? That people are perfect. Prefer- you said people so, have gotten burned before. What, what do you guys think that people are now preferring to shop at Walmart? Over so we went up
0: Amazon? from 47% to 55% to, yep. to now 55%. So, well, I mean, it, it
2: obviously boils down to consistency and reliability. I mean, Amazon, let's, let's not cut ourselves. They've kind of been a victim of their own success yep. in the way that, you know, initially when you were on Amazon, you, you were good with like that seven to 10 day window. Well, now Amazon has really dedicated themselves to this Prime delivery. So I have a Prime account. I'm sure you guys have a Prime account. So they've built this whole mentality around Prime. And I'm a psychology minor, so I have this. I I always find it interesting when I can apply some of these psychological tricks. So that whole, uh, you know, I'm sure people out there in the space have heard the whole uh, managing expectations. Mm -hmm. You want to, you know, undercommit, overdeliver. Well, they've basically overcommitted and now underdelivered. In recent years in terms of like, I know that I myself have had the experience where my package didn't get there in you know, the two day window. And then I had to hear about how, well, it's only from when the time it shipped. And I'm like, well, no,
0: that's not the way it was. (laughs) I ordered something last night, Monday night, you know, like 10 o'clock and it says guaranteed delivery by Thursday. I'm like, seriously, Thursday? Yeah. Thursday and and this one day shipping has really tripped Amazon up in the yeah. the beginning. Their their costs of their shipping costs have grown. I don't know if it's actually doubled, but it's it's pretty close to that. You know, forty percent growth, fifty percent growth mm-hmm. um, type of type of situation since they've announced it. Right, so yeah. it's 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 maybe fifty percent growth, not <laughs> doubled. Sorry, sorry, right. fifty around thirty to fifty percent growth mm-hmm. in um, in year over year, which is. Uh, a hell of a paycheck. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's just a it's a the expenses are going high and and that they're struggling with it. So we'll see if they can you know it's it's interesting to me to see a
2: company like Amazon who has obviously huge amounts of power or leverage in the transportation space. Uh and they struggle when they start trying to implement their own uh, network. And this is pretty consistent. I mean anybody that's a huge shipper in the country, you know, whether it's like a Coke, Walmart, you know, the Shaw's and all these big companies, they have their own private fleets. It makes total sense for Amazon to have its own private fleet uh, to an extent. Now, in terms of figuring out what exact percentage of that they should have or not is, is another big question. But, you know, they fired FedEx, so. <laughs> they, they did fire FedEx, a, so there's a need, right? There's a, that's a big move because I, I know that they were, what, roughly 1%, 2%.
1: Yeah, of uh, of growth sales, yeah, of growth sales. Yeah,
2: so it wasn't like it doesn't sound like big number in that regard,
0: but that's a huge impact to a freight network. It is, mm-hmm. it is, and I think UPS was struggling this fourth quarter, mm-hmm. this this holiday season with the the excess package uh, delivery, and Amazon was as well because, mm-hmm. as you said, one percent is huge on, that's... you know, two hundred and fifty billion. Uh, it's, it's that's Gets to a big number, right? And that's another thing. Walmart, you know, they they know transportation. Yeah, they have Uh, a whole section. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They they run probably, I I think, the certainly certainly trucking fleet, Mm -hmm. like a Class 8, you know, drive in, trucking fleet. uh, They I think they have reefers too. Uh, but they they certainly they, they have the largest private fleet. Yeah, I think they yeah. got nine thousand drivers mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah. In,
1: in October. That was yeah. the number that and,
0: I saw. And basically uh, uh Dooner and Chad on what the truck yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Dooner's in this this whole thing about or or Walmart drivers pay too high. Yeah. And uh, and it was it was based on a call-in from our Exilm uh, serious uh, radio show that 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 airs on on Saturdays. And that they pay a really good wage to the drivers.
1: Yeah, it was eighty two five, I think.
0: Was there, or they They're, just raised it to eighty two five or eighty eighty seven or something? It's, it's, it's very good. You, you can hear them on satellite radio advertising consistently. It and is, and it's in the eighties. It's and one of the
2: best. Nice. If you're a driver, it, it's literally like the gold standard. Like it's what you want to drive for, and it's largely it's not just about the money, but it's their dedicated routes. Yeah, uh, stay close to home. Well, you can you you know where you're going to be on a yep. daily basis, mm-hmm. and that's I mean that's really what Walmart. Uh, is kind of capturing right now that momentum from knowing that walmart 's going to have the item that I need when mm-hmm. I need it you know so they can they can hold on to that and that 's where Amazon has been struggling here in the last uh, several months
0: it is they have a great vendor network too, so mm-hmm. that driver knows he 's going to deliver at a walmart d c and he 's going to probably pick up for from one of the vendors right one of the the thousands upon mm-hmm. tens of thousands of Walmart vendors, everything from like garbage uh, garbage bags to uh, TVs even right so yeah. you know you're gonna go pick up this uh, one of these vendors you're gonna come back to another DC or maybe the same DC that that you left from your your home base and it's a very regular route and private fleets that's the reason why their turnover is one of the min- lowest yeah, yeah. minuscule <laughs> compared to the hundred. 100- 100% plus but most, that's, turnover again, on, on four hire fleets. Yeah, that's
2: four hire fleets versus private. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of the time, private fleets do have much lower attrition rates regardless because most of them are in that same space of being dedicated uh, A to B, B to A type runs. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the thing is uh, about, you know, comparing them to that, like the outside. Now, if you're a four hire carrier for Walmart— you're not necessarily super excited about going to a Walmart DC. True, <laughs> true. I've,
0: I've brokered a lot of loads yeah. in and out of uh, Walmart DCs. And it right? depends on the DC. It's
2: very DC specific.
0: So this well, <laughs> I, I've been calling around a little bit this week, talking to my, my broker friends and, and getting a, a highlight because it's been a few years since I, I've worked with a Walmart or, or DC. And it is, it's very independent that they run very differently. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, that you would think that would be more standardized. But they run, they operate much differently. You know, yeah. there's there's different loading type of, of situations, and if you can have your doors open, if you're running refrigerated for how long, it can it can vary. Well, it's like it's like greatly. any it's like any time
2: you outsource any service for your company, like you lose a, a little bit of control. Uh, you you have a little bit more flexibility. You're controlling costs effectively because you're basically trying to say, I don't want to be exposed when the market you know, drops below a certain level, but I want to be able to be covered when the market gets super hot. Now, what that does though, is now that you have these outside carriers, they don't know your processes. They don't know, you know, they don't have the timing down that Walmart driver knows exactly where he needs to be. He's been doing it for years. (laughs) Has hence the low attrition rate. The outside carriers have other customers that they're servicing and they have other networks that they're trying to balance out and
0: all these other different processes. It's, it's good, too, because if you're a Walmart driver, you go to the D.C., and the D.C. is ran by your co-workers, yep. which is a, a much different relationship between a typical dock worker or warehouse worker and, and driver, and whenever you go to your vendors, you're a customer, yep. right? So it's, it's a very different a very type di- of dynamic, dynamic which yep. is which is much better, and that's the reason why more seasons drivers mm-hmm. uh, get the, the job, whether it's with Walmart or another private fleet. Yep. And in the 4 hire market, uh, especially the large 4 hire carriers are hiring out of school. It's kind of the training grounds yep. for. it's a good point. For that, that, the medium term. Yeah, you don't go to the first three or four years, right? You don't.
2: You don't start at Walmart as a driver.
0: <laughs> no, you do not. You yeah. do not. You have to be uh, very professional, very, uh, mm-hmm. very, very on time. Uh, you just have to know the ropes. Exactly right.
2: That's another good point in terms of uh, being able to work with Walmart. It is, it is. It is definitely
0: so. On where do we go from here on Walmart?
1: Well, uh, what's next on the notes? We could we can go through. Uh, we talked a little bit there about the transportation and supply chain uh, angle. We can kind of uh, that kind of drifts us into the the M and A discussion and the, the rumors that have been circulating the last uh, couple weeks. Uh, they're kind of fueled by um, by a professor from NYU on on Twitter. Uh, he uh, his name is... Um, Scott Galloway. Scott yep. Galloway. I was yep. thinking Joey <laughs> Galloway. I always think about the Facebook well I know, right? I don't know why. Uh, but yeah, so Scott Galloway, he said that he predicted that Walmart would purchase FedEx, uh, would acquire FedEx w- at, at some time in the future, maybe in 2020. Um, do you guys have any... you think those have any validity to them? And if not, what, what direction do you think Walmart goes... I want to hear Zach's opinion. With, uh, yeah, I got,
2: I've, got, I've got opinions on this one. It's, Let's hear them. It's hard for me to imagine uh, Walmart fully executing this. I think it's a great theory. Um, This would be one of the biggest M&A deals in recent history. I mean, Walmart is, what, a $320 billion market cap. FedEx is about a $40 billion market cap. Um, So this to me would be very difficult because Walmart, again, like I said, they have their existing infrastructure. FedEx is about as infrastructure-heavy as you can possibly imagine. This is a company... That has built itself through acquisitions, but they have been integrating slowly over the past, you know, 30, 40 years. And they are, they are literally like locked tight. I mean, you cannot divert from your processes in FedEx. So Walmart is very cost savvy. I mean, that's really where they make most of their money, is keeping their costs low. I was talking to a guy very
0: supply chain. Supply savvy chain, too, right? That's-
2: savvy. But they keep they keep it to a minimum. Like their tech in their supply chain is actually very Old style tech. And I was actually talking to Mm -hmm. a guy that had worked for Walmart here in the past. And he was basically telling me, uh, you know, they're trying to upgrade all these systems. That's a, think about the size of this though, the scale of this opportunity. And he had actually worked for Amazon as well. And he was telling me that Amazon had not fully, you know, their AWS system, which is like, you know, huge. Mm They have not fully integrated back onto their own infrastructure, on their own network that they're selling to other people. They're st- they still are trying to transition from Oracle uh, in a space, so it it takes a long time to, for this integration to occur. So, for me, this is a it's a it's an interesting concept. I cannot fathom. How they would execute this I,
0: I, I can't either and <laughs> every time I talk about this uh, I always get comments e- either leaked in or, or people emailing me about you know FedEx has more of a focus on international mm-hmm. than domestic so that, that kind of uh, s- sidelines this deal right yeah is that basically one of the things that is hurting FedEx right now is slower growth out of Asia yep now yeah. whether that's really true or not or or, or if FedEx has deeper problems than, than just global global GDP growth. That is another question all, all in of itself, and, and,
2: that's, and that's another point, is like you have such differing focuses uh, with these two things. They're not simply just buying a fleet of trucks that they can use for whatever they want to do. FedEx has other freight to move. And so if Walmart's going to say, well, you're going to put priority on my fl- freight, then that's going to disrupt all of what FedEx is doing. This happens every time that there's an entertaining idea about, I'll, you know, a retailer or, a you know, a bigger company purchasing a transportation company. People simply think that they can just patch this right onto their company. It's not the way it works at all, because that's why, you know, you don't see a lot of Walmart trucks hauling other people's freight right now, because mm-hmm. that's that's a little counterproductive to what they're trying to do.
0: It, it is. In the I've, long run. I've tried to get into the private fleet before. It's been a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, tr- just looking for backhaul because that's what I always try to yeah. do. I try to, to hook into the private fleets, uh, whether it be Shaw or Mohawk or Walmart or Hobby Lobby or, or, or a few others. And it's very difficult to work with, especially as a broker. Yeah. Uh, because if they have to sit for an hour, they're not going to sit for an hour. They're just going to come back because the, the, the gross margin on the goods that they're going to haul back to the shelf Get it on the shelf is a pittance to the thousand or fifteen hundred dollars to, to get them back home.
2: Yeah, their main business
0: is retail, like selling goods, mm-hmm.
2: not moving goods. Yeah. And yeah. so think about this in terms of just basic costs. So, four to seven percent of any good moved is in the trans- is transportation cost. That's nothing. So, a lot of these uh, shippers, I-, I know several of them, will just do not take transportation that seriously because they bury the transportation cost in the cost of their product.
0: Oh, you yeah. You're, it's you're in looking, their cogs. Looking if, if 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 the value the the, the retail value of the goods that, that you're transporting on a trailer full for Walmart is fifty thousand dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, your gross margin off that at a normal retails clips going to be at least twenty five thousand. So twenty five, you're not going to tie up twenty five thousand dollars worth of gross margin getting right. to the store shelves for a, a thousand or twelve hundred dollar load to get you back. That you might have to wait a couple of days, or not maybe not, I mean, a couple of days, a couple of hours. Right. I mean, a couple hours, even an hour. They're like, no, nope, nope <laughs> we're going back. We're going back. And you can see the economics in your head. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, And that's the reason why a lot of private fleets don't even deal with backhauls and they're, unless they're, they're
2: perfectly aligned. And they're okay losing money. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, that's because they built all that backhaul cost into their product oh, yeah. already. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's not the same thing to them. So think about trying to utilize that capacity. It's unreliable, which is something we just talked about. You know, well, uh, there's two things that you can offer somebody for transportation: it's it's price and service, mm-hmm. and capacity is in that service number. So, if you can't do either of those things, you know, consistently, you're at a big disadvantage, and that's really why shippers,
0: you know, across the country don't necessarily want to have too big of a private fleet. You're exactly right. Yeah. and there's this reason why they have no problems as well with hauling empty. Going back, so yeah. so when you look at empty miles or empty miles by a private fleet, I they are extremely high, and they're extremely high for a reason. Because, uh, as I said, you know the 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 product on the trailer is much more. <laughs> than being a trucking company and trying to make a thousand bucks on a back toll. A five, Who cares? A
2: 95 OR versus the exactly. 70, 70 OR, you know, cost. It's different for retail, but it, you know, cost of goods sold is,
0: yeah. is, is minimal
2: for Walmart. And that's really, like I said, that's where they have made their money is keeping their costs of goods sold to a minimum. Exactly that's why, right. That's why they can knock those dollars down on their commercial. And stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm with you both. I don't think the, the, the FedEx rumor holds much, holds much water. Uh, Doug McMillan, the CEO, said in the last earnings call that we need to do more and we need to move faster, especially with assortment. So I think that that's where their focus is at. I don't think it's on uh, growing uh, so much as it is efficiency. Uh, so and you can see that with uh, through some, M&A, right? Yeah, well, through M&A and through partnerships they, yeah. the last couple of years, they've made a couple of partnerships with uh, one being Gatic. It's uh, an autonomous vehicle company. It's not their first one. They've also partnered with Waymo and Udilev and a lot of other people, but they're running uh, they're running pilot yeah, that's, tests that's right. in that's, Arizona and uh, in Arkansas are, as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, those are some of the deals that, that Carrier Direct actually pointed yeah. out to us and, yeah. and sent over where there's partnerships and, and their theory about uh, efficiencies in, in warehousing where you see Amazon spending a lot of money as well and Shopify too. Shopify just had a, a yeah, big the, logistics. Mm, it was a robotic or automation yeah, and warehousing. I, I wish I could. It's, it's rivers some rivers, three rivers or five rivers. Yeah. Uh and basically it's automated uh, warehousing picking ordering t- type of type of fulfillment efficiencies yeah right? so you've seen all three of those those players really diving into that
1: yeah Walmart's doing it as well they just they, they've got a partnership and they've got a proprietary technology called alphabot uh, which is going to help um, the online order fulfillment in store so that uh, so that associates don't have to walk the aisles back and forth picking the picking goods they'll have a, basically a surveyor belt a, a yeah, a belt uh, in the back that will automate automate the uh, the picking process. So it's going to increase their efficiency of this online uh, pickup exponentially. So I see I see that being the the direction Walmart goes either in M and A or in partnerships in the next couple of years. It's not. I don't think they're going to be making any massive acquisitions like FedEx. I don't know which holds much yeah. water.
0: I I, th- I think it's really good buying those those niche brands. I really do because if I if I Especially started my own company and and I had a niche brand and I had a following, and and basically I you know, whether it is outdoor clothing or golf clothing or, or whatever, right? And be able to, to, to ramp it up to where it's a, a thing, right? And, and basically, I'd have to invest to, to take, ne- take it to the next step. You're going to get the audience and you're going to get the supply chain uh, distribution and fulfillment from Walmart. You sell out, you hit the beach, let me let me yeah. let me pose
1: something to you though, because I've I've read this about uh, both Bonobos and Modcloth. Uh, these were very niche brands, digital native. They had a, they had almost like a, a little bit of a cult following online. People were very proud to buy these brands and mm-hmm. kind of almost had a, a social interaction with these brands. And their fans were pissed when they sold it's it to Walmart. Pretty standard when you you, know? when you have that so, little guy sell out. Yeah. So, so what you know what what do you think? And they, they the, both of their uh, sales kind of tanked in the in the in the quarters afterwards because they say oh you know what you're a Walmart brand now I'm gonna go find my, my new niche little online brand you know what what do you think what do you say to people like that and what do you say to Walmart going out and doing that what, you have any thoughts on it?
0: Well, you know, it's, it happens all the time, right? With any of the niche brands, it, it, it happens. Uh, but you have two hard choices if you're running a brand like that, right? Because you kind of have to go all in again to ramp up and kind of build what Walmart can bring you. Uh, you know, they, they could go the, the way of third-party sellers, more like, um, like Amazon or, or Shopify, to where it's an arm's length. And just in the back end they handle your fulfillment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and you know, basically so some marketing out dollars and, and some exposure, but it's it's kind of maybe Walmart's hiding behind the 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 curtains I think, on that. I think- like the Wizard of Oz. I, I don't know
2: yeah well it depends now a lot of these brands and i't don't, I don't know this for a fact for bonobo or, or shoes dot com or whatever, but a lot of these products come from the same spots yeah so they do yeah you know yes. I, I don't it's, I don't necessarily odd. like it, so I'm going to relay this to something that I love, which is beer of course <laughs> so this this happened in we the all be- know that in the beer industry now this was you know I know the whole history of beer where basically you know Budweiser and miller uh, basically was predatory back in the '60s and '70s basically cutting like basically buying all these smaller breweries across the country mm-hmm. and just not buying them so they could integrate but buying them to capture market share. Yeah. And I don't I don't think that's the case here at all in terms of uh, Walmart. I think they're truly trying to purchase uh, expertise as well as a particular, you know, product. I don't I think over time they'll acquire enough people Uh, you know, again, like I said, it's not the same as beer where you're getting a different beer now than you did. I know when they dismantled the Rolling Rock, uh, the glass, um, there's a glass fermenter that they had there that was famous uh, in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. And it it just wasn't the same anymore. So now it's legitimately just a different product. I think with Shoes.com, Bonobo, I don't think they changed any of that. I think they kept it all the same. And so they could potentially leverage you know, it's a marketing game at this point, but they could leverage Walmart's infrastructure at this point, which is which is why it's beneficial to them in terms of this idealistic world that I'm trying to live in right now. But I think the reality is that these owners wanted a payday. Yeah, <laughs> of course. As as I would. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, but I think that there are positives to the situation. And these people that are out there thinking that, hey, I'm getting this really unique product. I mean, as long if you can put on a shirt and it's the same quality that you had before. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Walmart going out there and helping them out with some infrastructure.
0: Yeah, there's nothing at all. I I, I didn't know uh, Bonobos is it, is that how you even Bonobos. pronounce it? Bonobos. Bonobos. Bonobos? Yeah. Uh, until we we started doing this research, I didn't know that Walmart bought them. Yeah, but I get I get served ads constantly mm-hmm. uh, by Bonobos. Bonobos. I, I can't pronounce it. <laughs> it, it whatever, matter. <laughs> it, it doesn't. It really doesn't matter, does it? No. So, <laughs>
2: But I mean I think I think people need to kind of get over themselves a little bit yeah, in this yeah. in this whole like oh you shouldn't sell out type atmosphere like No, everyone should sell out. Uh, you should sell out. I mean you if you unless you're really passionate now some of these local breweries I really do believe they should keep it right here because that's a perishable good. Yeah. And your your quality does degrade the bigger you scale it. Um, you you can't simply make the same product in that in, in that regard nationally. Mm-hmm. Uh, You, they figured out. I
0: mean, most of the time, they figured out how to make these goods at scale. Yes, and, yeah, you, you have to to be able to do that, yeah. right? So, so local brewers until they can make it at scale, there no one's going to buy
2: it. Not, not in right? every circumstance. Is bigger better, in my opinion. No. Um, I think that you get to a certain point where quantity outweighs the quality, and you're going to make an increasing margin over that quantity. And they get, this is what Walmart does. They mm-hmm. they are the kings of in- implementing this. So I think there is a concern when they do purchase some of these smaller companies that that quality will start to degrade over time. I, I think
0: that might be a fear, but if you just let them operate uh, because of their high margin items too, yeah. right? So, so why mess with that? You let them design, you let the companies go off design quality assurances, you know, keep the same quality. There's no reason to try to expand those margins because they're already high margin, not not necessarily luxury, but uh, designer brands. Yeah, in, in most cases. So let them go do that. Take care of the fulfillment. Put it into your brand portfolio, kind of like like the the large beer companies, mm-hmm. right? Or the large you know Coca Cola or Pepsi. You know yeah. they don't just sell Coca Cola or Pepsi. They they sell bottle I mean bottle waters. That I don't know if it's still on a tear of of being the the, the highest growing <laughs> beverage uh, for either of those two, but it was for a while. Yeah. Right. So why why mess with it? Just put it into your portfolio uh, and, 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 and you're good. And Budweiser
2: has changed their their game. I guess AB InBev now, they have mm-hmm. changed their game to simply from purchasing and dismantling to we're going to buy an interest. I know Terrapin down the street here in Athens, Georgia, they have a 49% interest in. They do not have controlling. The beer is still as good as ever, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but now they have a distribution network that is far
0: stronger than they had before. So now they can get that out. you know, across And, and the for anyone... Creating a brand or trying to sell retail, you need that distribution channel. Yep. That is the hardest thing to build mm-hmm. is to build that sell channel, that distribution channel. So that's something that the big beer companies or Coke and Pepsi or Walmart can step in and help you with. And that's where the the whole ideology of 30-party sellers on Amazon erases. From, yep. Right? You have that distribution, but you have control. But the, the downside to the Amazon model is now you have Amazon competing against you, <laughs> right, right? You have right. to pay Amazon to get listed higher. And as you get listed higher, if you're selling really well, they're going to knock off your product and put their knockoff yeah, right the next to you right, at yeah. half the prices. Yeah, right. So that's 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 the big problem with with Amazon. So you,
1: and you just uh, you posed a question. You, know, you were talking about you need the distribution. Uh, one company that does the distribution really well. We've mentioned them once is Shopify. Mm-hmm. Who do you think poses great. a bigger uh, risk to Walmart moving forward? Is it Amazon or is it Shopify? Different business models, but both a big risk. We we this isn't a, a scripted question. <laughs> just came No, it's, just, so
2: it's not right? It's a great question. Yeah. I, I still think Amazon is is the bigger risk. Uh, just because, like I said, Walmart is. In a different space of that brick and mortar, they're relying much more heavily on the consumer coming to their, you know, I know that they even let truck drivers park there uh, overnight because they are trying to gain a bunch of traffic, as much traffic as possible. And Shopify is literally just an online marketplace. Um, I, don't, I don't think people that are buying on Shopify are necessarily, you know, if there's a Walmart more than likely within a few miles of where they live. So,
1: yeah, 5,500 stores. Yeah. So somewhere.
2: So the idea that this online marketplace is really going to threaten them that significantly without a huge amount of distribution like leverage, which Amazon technically can build and will probably continue to build here in the near future, which is the biggest threat to Walmart moving forward. Now, I'd be interested, Andrew, in hearing what you have to say, because you just said, I prefer Walmart over Amazon. I do. I prefer Walmart over Amazon. One, I think one of the biggest issues is uh, well,
1: t- two things. My mother is a Walmart-aholic, so okay. I grew up going to Walmart three times a week with
2: my mother, so I, I have I have my roots <laughs> in Walmart. Uh, See, two, I got mad at my mom when she dragged me to go shopping. I honestly, would, I, was I would like... love it because I-, I
1: would just run off, and then she'd have to call me over the intercom, Andrew Cox, please come to the front. <laughs> it happened, it- it happened <laughs> weekly. Uh, and then second, I live on Signal Mountain, so I live half a mile from a, from a nice Walmart. So I go, I mean, and there's actually a stat that I didn't get to mention, and from that um, Amazon um, passed its prime article, and said the percentage of customers that visit Walmart in store at least four times monthly has increased five uh, percent year over year, so from fifty eight to sixty three. So sixty three percent of people say they go to Walmart four times a, a month. I mean, I go like four times a week, so I'm definitely one of those people. Uh, Kevin, you're, you're given you were given some funny looks while he was uh, given the sh- given the Shopify argument. Do you, do you disagree no, with him?
0: No, I, I, It's not that I disagree or, or agree. I, I just came up with another question that let's flip this on a head. Okay, on its head. Right is should Walmart buy Shopify?
2: Now that is a great question. Right, I love that because that actually is much more symbiotic than the FedEx model, in my
0: opinion. Yeah, and it's about the same price too. The, the, yeah. the market caps are, are both right around forty billion dollars. You're right? probably going to so, get
2: a little bit more of a growth expectation out of the Shopify because you, you, yeah. <laughs> you will. Yeah,
0: you will. And they're losing money, so mm-hmm. but that doesn't matter, right? Because you're buying that expertise. And Shopify you, has. They, they, they do 45, their merchants do, I believe, 45 billion. No, actually, last year they did 45 billion. They're expected to hit about 60 to 70 billion dollars in on, on, online sales, their customers are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're basically the, the platform for 70 billion dollars of sales. Uh, so, a little yeah. background. No, that's great. The that's a great idea. I actually love that. I mean,
2: I haven't done any research. Let's start the rumors right now. right. It's happening. Oh, let's start the rumors that order. Walmart should buy
0: buy Shopify. Right.
2: But that's now. that's too uh, totally like it's they both specialize in what the other doesn't. Yeah. And they both have like so Shopify obviously is growing their logistics situation um, with their model, and Walmart needs that specific model for uh, moving forward to compete in the new e-commerce space. So, it reminds yeah. me a bit of the uh, the Visa and Plaid acquisition
1: today. I don't know if you guys have seen it. I saw that. So yeah, Visa saw bought Plaid, but, and Plaid is a uh, is a connections uh, platform that basically, if, if you want to connect your bank uh, to your Venmo account or to your PayPal account, they are, they create the existing software to connect things. So it reminds me a bit of that in mm-hmm. which Visa has its expertise in payments and in processing, but they need the connection to to other banks. So I think there's a little bit of an analogy there, but... You know, Scott Galloway also said that the gangster move would be for Shopify and FedEx to to, to merge.
0: So you don't you don't see that one going. Well on. they're a Toronto based company, so that's that's never gonna happen. No. <laughs> it's uh, never gonna uh, happen. I, I don't Canadian think you companies. can sell the uh the, the, the airplanes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh I, I think the last time we we talked about this this topic a couple of weeks ago, me and JP were talking about it and someone uh linked in while we were on the show saying you can't sell, you know, the the, the airplanes assets to a foreign company. Or not a, com- well, a foreign company in a yeah, foreign country, yeah. right? Yep. So I I, I think I and, and basically you're, you're talking about FedEx being for, foreign owned. I don't think the the federal government's going to go. It just go depends to, on they're yeah. just not going to do it.
2: Depends on the transaction too. I mean, you could you could you could. I just I, again, but the business models themselves, I just don't I don't see it. I,
0: I don't think the Shopify <laughs> management team probably has the expertise to run FedEx. That's that's all like, I know, right? I mean, I don't think they'd want to.
2: Yeah, no. I, I know, know I wouldn't want to do about exactly. FedEx. It's really hard for me to imagine them uh, being the subordinate to anybody. <laughs> Honestly. Exactly right. Yeah,
0: yeah. S- especially with Fred Smith. Yeah, in, no. in the captain's chair, <laughs> it's so not to speak. Work. Right? It, it's, it's not going to happen. <laughs> not going to happen. So, any last words on Walmart?
1: No. Anything else? No. We no. Know. Let's, let's run
0: go? into trucking capacity. Let's talk about the DHL yeah. supply chain price and power index real quick, and then we'll, we'll hit the, the trade. Yep, that's good with me. Uh, yeah. so
1: we're at 40 this week a quick refresher so uh, we have a gauge all the way zero would be all the power to the shippers 100 would be all the power to the carriers we're sitting at 40 now which is which is near a balanced market but we think that's probably going to keep going towards the shippers uh, when we did this we started doing this back in September we were uh, we started near 40 and then it just sequentially fell week after week towards the shippers it made a big run right before Christmas uh, it made it all the way up to 45 nearly a balanced market but now capacity is getting back to normal it's loosening uh, Zach what do you seeing? if you were a, if you were a Broker or carrier, where would you be going uh, in the country to uh to gain some pricing power?
2: So right now there's n- not really tell many us about places. January. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, tell, jan- tell us
0: about January. I'd love yeah, to swap January stories in, in a freight broker. Yeah, we've an asset base. Yeah, we've that's we've, much more fun than talking about where <laughs> capacity is going to pick up in January. We've we've <laughs> me and Kevin were on uh,
2: on the spot a few weeks ago talking about January, and we did a, a me and Anthony Smith do the Freightnomics podcast, and it was literally titled, January is the Monday of the year, because for freight and anybody sitting on the asset side or brokerage side, it is miserable. Um, It is just not that active. You're talking about, you know, every year, even if it's in a good year, January is the worst month of that year.
0: It is. The only thing I I learned in January and freight brokerage is how to build memes. Yeah. (laughs) Really, (laughs) honestly, that's that's what we did. We built memes, and I taught everybody in the office how to play liar's poker. Nice, and we played Liar's Poker for you know a couple hours a day. That's because awesome. I mean, it's, it's just slow. It's just slow, and you should be making sales calls. You should be doing a lot of things that mm-hmm. we weren't doing. So yeah, this is this is the time of year where you're you're actively
2: trying to build your depth. You know, mm-hmm. if you're a carrier, you're just trying to you know service the freight you have as efficiently as possible, uh, and if you're a broker, you're trying to just not lose a bunch of money. (laughs) I mean, and you you can do that relatively well, but this is the time of year for the whole managed transportation side where you're building accounts, building relationships. Um, There are some, you know, I will say this, looking at our sonar data, uh, tender rejections and and volumes and such, like, it is, it's a very interesting thing and we're going to break some of these sections of the country down tomorrow on on Freightonomics, but uh, the Los Angeles market in particular, you know, we had AB5, the Simmobil 5 thing that got another stay of execution, but, The um, you know that section of the country fascinates me, uh, Los Angeles. So we've we've actually seen tender rejection rates go a little horizontal here in the last couple of days, which to me is insane. It's in Southern January. California, yeah, okay. In Los Angeles, Ontario, uh, Ontario's the second biggest market in the country in terms of outbound volume. If you go to Google Maps, look at the there's just a sea of DCs. Oh yeah, I've driven through there. It yeah. is insane. Like it is the biggest concentrated area of DC shipper activity. You can go anywhere in the country. Um, and there's reason for this and it's because all the Chinese, and we're going to talk about that here in a little bit, but all the Chinese freight comes into the port and sits there and waits release into the wild. And, um, that, that area right now is showing signs of at least changing, but volumes year over year have collapsed. Uh, we're looking at about a 20 to 30% Decrease in
0: year-over-year volume out of the Los Angeles
2: and the Ontario market. trucking
0: outbound trucking truckload outbound volumes. Yeah, I think that goes back to uh to, to the the Phase One trade deal. Yep. Right, right there because uh, imports into to LA has been uh, have been very depressed. Uh, we published a few stories. We have one out right now on FreightWaves.com com from one of our um, amazing contributors from CNBC, uh, Lorianne Anne Laraca, and um, she kind of details the the what's going to be signed tomorrow and in the, in the, the trade deal and, and kind of the, the export market's been very weak. Uh, these special pur- purchases mm-hmm. really haven't taken place. Uh, there's doubts whether they will be taking place and the, the LA ports are, or significantly down year over year. Is yeah, that, I think, is that, I think right?
1: uh, imports to the LA uh, to, to LAX has gone down uh, every month for the last twelve or thirteen months since that pull through uh, pre was, Chinese
2: New Year last year. You look oh, yeah. at our customs data, oh. and it is stupid. Like you, you see this huge mountain in late twenty eighteen, early twenty nineteen, and it and it actually our the seasonal peak for maritime shipments is roughly August September, on average every mm-hmm. year. The peak for this year was in January. <laughs> I mean, it was, and it was because it was coming down because this huge pull forward effect. Um, so, I mean, that obviously has a lot to do with the, the declining volumes out of LA, but do you think there's warehouses or, are, are, are empty in LA now. Oh no. I or mean, they, they, they come down pretty, pretty they're, good. We're waiting on some inventory levels right now. Uh, I, I've got Anthony working on that a little yeah. bit, but um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm assuming that after the big retail season that we just had, uh, a lot of those inventories got, got pushed out. I mean, they had to just by looking at some of the data. It's like mm. there's a huge amount of long-haul freight that all of a sudden just exited L.A. in October. And most of the time you see this, it, it happens every year, all that stuff that they've been importing in September, August, it goes to those DCs, and then they ship it to the East Coast. Well, now there's an East Coast preference starting to happen. They're starting to uh, shift it more going to that to The, that the Panama spread? Yeah, the Panama spread, uh, but also the Suez. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is is now more uh, oh, yeah.
1: preferable, and that's as that's as American uh, shippers have tried to, or manufacturers have moved away from China towards Vietnam and other Southeast Asian, uh, and also countries. India.
2: India is one of the fastest growing uh, importers as well. Um, so there's there's multiple options. Europe is even on that on that list mm-hmm. of uh, I think Italy and Spain have. Yeah, you, you become, have Southern even Eastern though, Europe or. or- Pretty yeah. uh, pretty low-wage um, areas. And China still dwarfs everyone. I mean, it's not even close. And they honestly, all these other countries, minus, minus maybe India, don't have the infrastructure. I mean, everybody talks about Malaysia and Vietnam like it's this huge threat to China, but they're really
0: not. They're, they're really not. So it's about $540 billion in 2018 imports from China to the, mm-hmm. the U.S. I, I think Vietnam might have been $54 billion. Um, India was it wasn't that much. I can't remember no. the exact number, but yeah, it, it, it's dra- nothing. It's dwarfed by China. China They're is- all dwarfed by China. So. You can move out of China, but there's there's very, especially if everyone's moving out at the same time. Right. Then, then you're bidding up everything else. <laughs> you know, the labor and basically any existing facilities and everything else has to be greenfield. So it's very expensive to get out of China, yep. too. So you have this catch 22. And they
2: also haven't developed the infrastructure. I mean, that's yeah. I yeah. guess that's been the there's theme the ports of the day. Too,
0: yeah. Right? Yeah. The, the, we're not even talking about the ports yet. And
2: actually, China owns some of those ports. So, <laughs> <True>. yeah. <laughs> which is kind of the. <laughs> scary thing. China almost saw this coming uh, over time.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm actually, I'm reading a really good book uh, right now. It's uh, Tim Marshall wrote it. He, like BBC Sky Reporter, uh, about prisoners of geography. And it's kind of like 10 maps that changed the world. And it talks about Uh, how we're all prisoners of our geography and how China certainly is. So Mm -hmm. you you say that they saw this coming, and you go through that book, and it's like, oh, yeah, they definitely saw it coming. This is the reason why there's uh, these boundary conflicts uh, in the South China Sea about rocks jutting out, and, and people are claiming those rocks, and it all has to do with navigation, Yep, about navigation, you know, going in, doing investments on ports in other countries is all about making sure that your trade routes are, are secure. Yeah, no, they Very effectively,
2: good. they've effectively built up because these company these countries didn't have the money to invest in their infrastructure. Mm-hmm. China says, Hey, we'll loan you some money to build out the infrastructure. Oh, you can't pay it? Uh, we'll just take it over for you. And then yep. all of a sudden, China is now in India, they're in yeah, Africa, Sri Lanka. In, in, yep, there, Sri yeah. Lanka.
0: Yeah. Very good. <laughs> anything else on trade? Uh, you got yeah, anything I mean, to answer? Yeah,
1: I mean, I just want to pose the question: You guys, yeah. what, you know, we got the phase one trade deal coming tomorrow. Uh, do you think a phase two or phase one A? Anything? Do you think there's another trade deal done after uh, phase
0: one? I think we'll talk about it for the next year. Right. <laughs> I don't think I, I could agree I'd, with that. I don't think anything. Oh, will. We'll, happen we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it for next three years. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I don't think it'll ever get done. Good. No. Okay, we're on the same page there. I, yeah. I, I really don't. <laughs> So uh, we're going to move into, uh, you know, do a quick shout-out about Freightonomics. Mm-hmm. I, I know you talked about it just just a second ago, but when yeah. when's it on? So it's on Wednesdays
2: at 2, 2 p.m. every Wednesday, uh, watching it on the streaming for Freightwaves yes, exactly. freight Live. Uh, and, yeah, we talk, me and Anthony Smith talk about uh, freight market and economics, and we merge the two. Uh, and we, we also keep it very topical. We try to keep it, like, in the moment. Uh, but also dig deep into some of these ongoing concepts. Like tomorrow, for instance, we're going to dig deeper into Southern California, California in general, the freight market out West, how it's different from the rest of the country. Uh, We're going to break down, you know, percentages and, and, what it does, like how it ripples into the rest of the country, et
0: cetera. It, this is this fascinating to yeah. take one market, which mm-hmm. is a, a huge market, mm-hmm. a second largest. If, if you put L.A. and Ontario markets together, is that the, the they the one? They would be the biggest.
2: They're the biggest single, I think, Chicago Joliet, which is mm-hmm. Chicago effectively. Uh, they would be the second biggest uh, in the country. Right. So, I mean, in terms of freight volumes, Los Angeles is a very has a huge impact to overall capacity because you think about the way that you have to operate out west is 100%—a
0: 180-degree turn from operating out east. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It, it definitely is, especially once you get out of the L.A. area and you, you hit I-40. Yep. Mm-hmm. East, you know, there's not much. There's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing. Desert. So it's, it's really a great route for, for trucks, this especially if you, if you only have to go to Riverside mm-hmm. or Ontario. Yep. And you miss L.A. traffic— I mean that's a that's a great it's route. A great route, except if you're operating in the state of California, which is another yeah. issue. <laughs> true, true, true. There's a there's a little yeah. little thing that you have to. to <laughs> like so so Wednesdays, choose two, two o'clock. Wednesdays it's two. Okay, yeah. very good. Are you ready for Long Short? As I'll ever be. All right. Yep. What's the what's our first one? Uh, the first one is
1: the the recent IPO that has c- crashed pretty. Uh, Pretty significantly, but bounce back a little bit. It is Peloton, uh, so this is the uh, the workout. How much were they down? Uh, well, they were down like forty percent, and they've, it's come back up. It's it's bounced back. Uh, I th- a little bit on the news that they've uh, released this new. Um, non uh, it's a digital app uh, so you don't need to have like a, a bike or or anything you just have the app you can put it on your computer on your phone anyway and you do workouts through the app I think it's like twelve ninety nine per month they call it Peloton Digital uh, and what's
0: the, the original business model Sorry, uh, the original business on.
1: model is they build very expensive subscription model bikes these bikes are uh, uh, I think over $3,000 they also have a treadmill that's over $6,000 uh, they're getting into the mirror as well that's um, like a workout mirror uh, in front of you which those is are, really cool those are actually really cool uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Those are thousands of dollars as well, with, with, along with like a
2: $1,500 with the, I think it's like a 40 or $50 subscription, subscription per, per, month. per month. So uh,
1: are you long, short, uh, Peloton, do you think that this business model is sustainable or is this just a product line of, of a bigger company? It,
0: so so basically, and, and they charge a $60 subscription fee for the the television that goes in front of you that has uh, a high, you know, it's, it's it's basically well done content with... I don't know if it's celebrities that that does it, but it's well-known people in the that exercise and fitness right. space. So, so it's big budget type of of programs that you can do on your bike. I am, I you know, I, I think it's a really good product. Uh, I'm, I'm short this, I, you know, on the on the equity side, you know, ten times revenue valuation. I'm short that I, I don't think it's, it's, they're still selling exercise bikes and their margins on the exercise bikes are roughly around fifty percent. Uh same with their subscription model, which is kind of high for uh basically online content to only have a fifty percent gross margin. So but I, I think it's it's a it's, it's well done. I, I think it's it's probably gonna end up being a product in you know, uh, of a of a larger uh ex you know, exercise company or probably not exercise company, but uh, of some maybe Walmart, maybe Walmart <laughs> buys them, right? I mean, I don't know. I think, I, I think I don't they're know. spot on there, actually. Yeah, I, I think valuation's they're, rich.
2: They're a little too expensive. Uh, their costs are a little high right now. They need to be part of some something else. I think the technology's great. The concept is wonderful. Um, they're and, niche, though. And, and people are going to work out. Uh, mm-hmm. I just don't think that there is a big enough market for this high-end
0: It's a niche. Yeah, it's a niche. It's a high-end luxury product. It's like we're going to sell luxury products that, like, look on a Walmart scale. But you can. So maybe they do. You can go get a a bike,
2: and just set this up right on top of it. And I mean, I know that it. I mean, the bike is more complicated than that because you have to. You pedal with the Mm -hmm. the terrain. They move it. They control it with you. So it's technically a program
0: that they're executing. But you could. Technically, do but, but who wants hold. to who wants to put put that up there? I, I want a Peloton. I could be in, wrong. in a, a completely great <laughs> view on top of the world with glass walls, so I can look out and and, and see all this you know maybe gorgeous nature as I'm inside running my back watch, watching my video screen, I, or at I, least that's how the commercials Yeah, so right. I, I don't know. With a, yeah,
2: with a beautiful girl on
1: it. Uh, I guess the, I would the, love yeah.
2: to hear what the market cap on these or the market value, industry value the industry. Industry yeah, value. Tam. Yeah. TAM is for, for the exercise, the fitness equipment. Because I think a lot of these people are already
0: fitness heavy that are buying this. I, I do know that the, uh, the, the the fitness product industry of unused equipment about 95% of that 100% TAM for the fitness industry, right? Because Used. most people, unused. they, they just, It oh, just oh, sits yeah. unused in the yeah, corner, yeah, yeah. right? Because most exercise products after a month or two just get put well, in the corner. But maybe this provides a little bit more stickiness because you're
2: you're paying for no, the subscription. Just, ooh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. Maybe this is their
0: answer to that because they knew that people go uh, buy bikes and then they just don't use them. I think it's a great product. I, I think that uh, the sales are amazing. Yeah. Uh, but 10 times revenue is it's a, a lot, little bit it, rich. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think that it's... Um, I like
1: the idea of Peloton. I don't like the the price of Peloton. So I think that if they can continue to diversify, and I think Peloton Digital at twelve ninety nine, that's a good product. I think sitting in front of your your TV screen and your in your living room, that's good. I think that if they continue to di- diversify into smaller things, especially subscription based stuff, but they're and, a premium and I, brand. I have, I have one more thing. I have one more uh, point about the subscription model. Yes, their gross margins are really low, uh, relatively for that content. But um, if you look at the, these the progress people are making in deep fakes and using ai to build programs i think if they can build out or even acquire a company in which they can automate a lot of that process where they have to stop paying these you know well-known fitness athletes to do these programs you see those gross margins really incline. so i think and they can even make it i mean they can make it personalized to you it's not so much just one program for everybody so i think and if they can get that done and the fitness athletes are
2: really not that necessary. and the, i mean i'm not buying peloton because i'm having somebody from new york city who's you know, Jillian Michaels or whoever yelling yeah. at me for an hour. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> true, yeah.
0: true. But you, you, you it, it's a it's a luxury brand. Mm-hmm. If you start making affordable or, or ten dollar, twelve dollar products, you think you diminish? It, but, you diminish but, but that if, brand. even if it's not no, attached
1: to the the brand to the to the to the good itself, the bike or the treadmill, if you're just they're selling, you diminish just it.
0: A, you think so? It, man, you diminish it. You, you, I think you, you can know? segment. I mean, well,
1: Ferrari Ferrari sells T-shirts, and it does diminish diminish well, the value I mean, of their T-shirts. Their but their cars. they don't
0: make a twenty thousand dollar car either you know oh, they may i go. think mercedes did that and and now you're flooded with a lot of the the lower class mercedes which yeah. kind of hurt the brand overall i don't know i don't know all that's right. the reason why it's long short mm-hmm. because yeah, we, we disagree yeah mm-hmm. i like it uh all I might right hit disagreeing on the next question but yeah yeah
1: I Might <laughs> uh last last week we we did long short on uh tom brady and the patriots was that uh, was that his last pass that that pick to logan ryan this week, our long short is, will the Titans be in the Super Bowl uh, come February? Will they win this weekend in Kansas City?
0: And we have two Titans fans sitting in here, so... Kev,
1: start it off then.
0: Well, no, I'll just we'll take it We'll fin- I'll finish take it on a lash. good is note.
1: That, you take the bad news on. out of the way. Uh,
0: I, I think if uh, Derek Henry keeps uh, Patrick Mahomes off the field long, uh, if not, if Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City offense gets, uh, gets time on the field, uh, this is going to be a long day for Tennessee. Short
1: and succinct.
2: Yeah, I mean, Tennessee getting behind would be obviously a big problem. it so, would be yeah. a problem. Kansas City has proven that they can jump out on people. And uh, come back and after a large deficit, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah they, they, they did that to Houston. I mean, I was like, I blinked and they were back up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was, that was insane.
1: I was at my house and it was 24 to nothing. Yeah. I left, went to Universal Joint. It had to be five minutes later. Yeah. I get there and it's 24, 21. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> what in the... Uh, of course, I'm long. I think the Titans going to be there. I think uh, I, I hope we get. I hope if we if we get the coin toss, we keep the ball. We get a seven minute drive, put it in with Henry. Uh, I don't want to see us get behind early. We are not built to come back from behind.
2: Um, but hey, uh, if you can I, run I'm, the ball,
0: I'm keep, confident. Keep, Kate, Kansas, keep Kansas City off the, off the field. field. Tennessee can win.
2: It'll be an amazing run. Well, it's yeah. a matter of defense on the Titans side,
1: and they've it, been it playing right <laughs> out. And, and the Titans, uh, the Titans historically against Andy Reid, we're eight and one really yes uh oh, nice. between the eagles and the chiefs were eight and one but somehow oh, but that's somehow. the eagles <laughs> uh but mo- but, oh, but those three or were four of the wins power. yeah those were good yeah. Yeah. he went
0: to like yeah, eagles five nfc like, championships no, yeah they were, they were real good <laughs> they could never win a
1: super bowl but they were good
0: True. Sure. True. Sure. well that's all So I got. yeah that, that's it um Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, again, Kevin Hill, Zach Strickland, our guest, and co-host Andrew Cox. And thank you again for all the research and segments and contributions from Carrier Direct. And uh, we'll see you next week when we'll talk about finance and, and freight and maybe a little bit of, of football if Tennessee wins, if they don't, we might no, skip we're over that. No, we never talking about football again. at that point. No, I know, I know, right? <laughs> hey, if, if so, you guys
1: have a, a company suggestion, by the way, we, we're open to many suggestions of companies yeah. to break down. Please uh, email LinkedIn, us. Or, yeah, on LinkedIn uh, or
0: anything? You know, yeah, Cahill, so K H I L L at freightwaves.com. If you want us uh, to cover a company, just uh, shoot me an email. Again, LinkedIn on any of the, the live feeds or replays of feeds that you see on social media, uh, we're always checking that. So, uh, we will go from there. See you guys later. All right.